This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Bodega Bay Post Office. The Bodega Bay Post Office will give you anyone's address. All you have to do is ask. Under the outdoor with the steamboats, ancient goblins and wild lows. Come at the grand line making a sound. The smell of death is on the rail. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, 1963's The Birds and 2008's Flu Birds, or Flu Bird Horror, depending on if you saw it originally on sci-fi or not. Mm Mm-hmm. But before we get to the movies, how do we start the show, Kelsey? Slash cards. Slash cards. You want to give me your first question? Unfortunately, there's nothing on either of my cards that have to do with birds, so. <laughs> oh, bummer. I'm gonna still. I'm still going to have a theme, though, because they both happen to have questions about the same movie. What is the name of the camp? James Crystal Lake. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> just, I don't. I, I want to hear the rest of the question because that was just you said camp, and that's the first thing that came to mind. What is the name of the camp Jason Voorhees stalks in the Friday the Thirteenth oh, film? I didn't think it was really going to be that. <laughs> camp Crystal Lake You're or Camp correct. Blood. It's never been called Camp Blood. It's, it was called Camp Blood. That's what they call it after the first murders, and that's why they don't open. You can't open up Camp Blood. <laughs> All right, I got a question for you. Hmm. In The Terminator, 1984, what type of animal does the human resistance use to detect Terminators? Dogs. That is correct. Yep. We should watch The Terminator. Is that anywhere on our list? It's not a horror movie, and I don't know why it's on the I don't know about that. It's not a horror movie. She's being stalked by an unstoppable monster, so it's a robot. It's science fiction horror. Alien's a horror movie. So we have a bunch of things we need to talk about before we get started, and I'd like to get through them quickly. All right. Because I don't want to bore our listeners, but I would also like to talk about the big horror things that we have seen lately. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about them. First off, there is a show on Netflix called Requiem. Yeah. We watched the whole show. It's only six episodes long. I was really excited about it. I saw a trailer for it, and I was like, damn, we gotta watch this movie. I mean, show. And it was okay. I actually thought it was really good (laughs) until the ending. The ending fucking sucked. I'm trying to remember what even happened in the ending. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. But yes, so Requiem, pretty dang good until the final episode, because the ending is shit. Not gonna ruin it for you here. Just go into it knowing that. It's got a great premise, it's interesting, it's intriguing, and then the ending is shit. Yeah, it was a little bit of a bummer, but it was it was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer so much that I just completely blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> Secondly, we saw A Quiet Place. We did see A Quiet Place, and Kelsey had some problems with it, but, I mean, they're reasonable. The problem with A Quiet Place is that The more you think about its premise and the world, the more questions that you have and the more challenges you have to that premise. It's very true. 
it does challenge your suspension of disbelief. It does. But if you can just accept the premise for what it is, the plot's interesting, the acting's really good. Well, I guess I'm more upset because I feel like... I'm not ruining anything here, I promise. For me, it has parallels to Signs. And I loved Signs. And everyone shat on that movie because the ending for them was shitty. And I'm just like, uh, everyone seems to be loving A Quiet Place. And ain't nobody talking about the ending. Well, the last shot sucks. That's the only thing I didn't like about the ending. I didn't like things. But I'm not going to tell what they are because I don't want to ruin it for you. But I I, would say it's definitely worth watching. It's good. It's good. I think it's really good. I think it was legitimately scary. All the jump scares were diegetic. They weren't like musical stings or anything like that. Well, there were some. No, there were jump scares. I'm not saying there weren't jump scares. I'm saying all the jump scares were diegetic. They weren't like music, like violins going ding! Pretty sure there were. No, it's always like things actually jumping out. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they put sound to it. But whatever. It's not like, I don't you know, you enjoy... close the, the door and then and then nothing's there, but you still get a musical sting. I don't enjoy movies that their scares always depend on someone making a stupid decision. And I felt like a lot of that was in this movie. Right, but that's kind of the whole premise. The entire premise is predicated on the fact that if you make nothing but good decisions, you won't die. <laughs> and the only time... That anything could happen to you is if you or someone you know fucks up. Well, anyway, so that was that. I'd say it's good. Just don't see it in the theaters. (laughs) Because it's a very quiet movie, believe it or not. It's a very quiet movie, but you will hear everything in that theater. You'll hear every crinkly wrapper. You'll hear every scoop of popcorn. You'll hear every whisper. Whisper. And there were a lot. People were having full-on conversations during this movie, and it was driving me nuts. They weren't talking at regular levels, but it doesn't matter because in a movie like this, you can hear everything. And it's like, you know what? I don't mind if people turn and ask a question or (laughs) or make a comment or something like that if it's on the sly. But this is a large auditorium where sound is meant to travel around, and there's no sound coming out of the movie. What the fuck are you thinking? Uh, Because people don't care. Um, And I hate that. I hate people. I hate people. I hate people. And lastly, Supernatural Check-In. Supernatural Check-In! Carry on my wayward son! I'm beyond furious. We just made it into fifth fifth period? Fifth (laughs) season. She says that. She says that. And I know she's telling the truth. (laughs) But it's almost like she wasn't there when she was watching it. Because she was so excited the entire time. She was on the edge of her seat. She was laughing at every joke and loudly. <laughs> and exclaiming whenever whenever something was like, oh my God, tense. Or like, I don't know what's going to happen. Or this sucks. Her response was always, this is bullshit. <laughs> just shows how emotionally invested she's become in the show. I'm so in love with Dean. And I just. He was great. I just want. And he's getting better. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> I don't know his real name. What is his real name? Jensen Eccles. Yes. Which is such a great name. 
Jensen, baby, you're doing better. It took you four years, but now your acting is pretty dang good. I'm going to say, Jensen, baby, you're doing better. <laughs> I am so in love with Dean. And so we're going to continue to watch, even though it's bullshit. <laughs> and we're prepared. We know that season five is a season where it's like all main plot story because they thought they weren't going to get any more show. So they turned the entire fifth season into just main story arc. And so we just got to charge through it and then we get to the good stuff. So that was our supernatural check in. I also want to drop a couple more things. We still haven't watched the third season of Channel Zero. And we really want to because we love that show. If you if you haven't heard of it, it's on sci-fi. And as much shit as we're about to give sci-fi, <laughs> and as much shit as we give sci-fi in the past, it's a really good horror it's show. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It's the weird good. Like It's very weird. It's the same. But I mean, like, it's it's where people say things and you're like, oh. But ultimately, like, nothing means anything. And it's very much like Hannibal in that regard. Well, we it's, seen the third season, it's very so no much, idea. It's very much like Mad Men in that regard. It's the shows where people say things inexplicably. And you're like, oh. Like that's, it's one of those shows. And it's like a high-quality show <laughs> on fucking sci-fi. <laughs> Which is why no one is watching Yeah. It. All right. The Birds. Let's talk about The Birds from 1963, geez, written by Evan Hunter, best known to detective story fans under the pen name Ed McBain, uh, based on the story by Daphne du Maurier and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. So excited. Our first Our Hitchcock. first Hitchcock movie. Starring Rod Taylor, Tippi Hedren, Jessica Tandy, and Suzanne Plachette. Kelsey, what is the premise of the birds? A woman follows a man she just met <laughs> to a tiny town outside of San Francisco because she likes him. And unfortunately, she happened to go on the weekend when the birds have decided to attack. Kelsey, the birds is available on iTunes. You can rent it for four bucks. You can buy it for eight bucks. Should people watch the birds? Absolutely. It's not a perfect movie. It's not it's not psycho, but it's really fucking good. Or vertigo. It's not vertigo, but it's really fucking good. Yeah. All right, so go ahead and watch the movie and when we get back we'll discuss 1963's The Birds. Birds are not aggressive creatures, miss. They bring beauty into the world. That might be true for one bird, but thousands of birds that's a different story. I hardly think a few birds are going to bring about the end of the world. I think you're the cause of all this. I think you're Ava! One of the most terrifying films of all time. The Birds. Kelsey, what happens in The Birds? So we meet our lead actress, who's played by who? Uh, Tippi Hedren. Tippi Hedren, blonde, because Hitchcock had a thing for blondes. Yeah. She is in a, what do you call that? It's not topiary, it's a she's in a, a pet tertiary. store? Aviary? Aviary. But she's in a pet store. Right. 
It's just a pet store and it has birds. And it happens to have all these exotic birds, tons of birds, which I've never seen before, but whatever. She's ordered a mina bird. We find out later she wants to have this mina bird because she wants it to annoy her stepmother. Something like that, yeah. But there was a problem with the shipment or whatever, and so she's kind of stuck there for a little bit. And in walks this guy who wants to buy lovebirds for his sister, who's turning 11, even though he's like 30. Yeah, they don't talk about it at (laughs) all. Considering Jessica Tandy's age at the time, it's very possible she would have had to have him in like, you know, her late teens, early 20s, and then would have had to have her at like 39 or something like that. It is very possible, but they don't talk about it at all. It's really weird. So sister is turning 11 and he's in there to buy uh, lovebirds and he plays a prank on her by pretending like he thinks that she works in the store. And so he's asking her all these questions and she very obviously doesn't know the answers, but she's playing along because she finds him very attractive. And when she discovers that he knew all along, she gets kind of like, hmm, I have to get him back because apparently she loves her practical jokes. Yeah, and he was messing with her because he doesn't like her practical jokes. He's a lawyer, and he saw her in court defending herself one time, and he's like, you know, you mess with people, and that's not okay. She ended up breaking, like, a window or something on accident. Uh It was for a practical joke of some kind. So she's intrigued. And so, like you do, she just decided to drive for two hours to this man's hometown, whom she knows nothing about. Bodega Bay. Well, she thinks he's cute, and she is a rich socialite who enjoys going to great lengths to tease people. And so, this is just her doing that. She doesn't have anything fucking better to do. (laughs) She works four days a week on different things, and there's no need for her to even show up. (laughs) She just calls her dad and says, no, I'm stuck here, can't do it, bye. So yeah, so Bodega Bay. Not really much to say about this whole part of the movie. It's just her showing up at Bodega Bay, trying to find out where the dude lives. And Um, she does, and she finds out that if she wants to get there without anybody noticing, she has to go on a boat. And that's important because on her way back. By the way, she totally trespasses into this person's home. Yes. Full on. I mean, I can't say she breaks in because she didn't have to do any breaking because the door was unlocked. It's trespassing. It's trespassing. It's fucking entering. Yeah. She's a practical joker who does illegal stuff to get the jokes done. So, but it's important because as she's jetting away on her little boat, a seagull comes down and like doesn't really attack her, but hits her on the head. And it very much seems like it was on purpose. Yeah. She goes to leave the lovebirds that the dude ordered, Rod Taylor ordered. Or was going to, at least. And he catches up with her back at the pier on the other side of the bay. And he, like, has to take her out of the... uh, Take her out of the boat and take her into the diner. And, you know, kind of fix her up. And everyone's like, that's weird. Birds don't attack people. That's dumb. That's the damnest thing I ever saw. I don't know. It seemed to swoop down at you deliberately. Oh, you're bleeding, too. Let's take care of that. So he invites her to dinner... And she's like, oh, I'm staying with Annie Hayworth, who we find out later is one of Mitch's, that's Rod Taylor, one of Mitch's old flames who moved out there to be near him. And then they broke up and she just stayed and became a school marm, I guess. 
So our girl, Melanie, she rents a room from Annie and just stays the night and pretends to be her friend or whatever. But so she goes to have dinner with this family and you 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 pick up on it real quick that the mother did not like that she was there. Yes. And as the movie progresses, you find out more and more about this lady. Um, you find out that her husband died pretty recently, like I think like four years ago or something. Three years, something like that, yeah. Um, and because of that, she's become very dependent on her son. So her son lives and works in San Francisco, but he comes up to Bodega Bay every weekend to stay with this with his family. Um, and the mother basically gets, she basically cock blocks him every time he's interested in a woman because she does not want to lose him. Yeah, she's like the most controlling mother. Their relationship is really fucking weird. <laughs> Because he calls her darling and dear, dear, and he speaks to her like they're married so much. Hitchcock likes weird mother stories. Aside from Psycho <laughs> and this, he's Aside also he's also got North by Northwest, where the guy's always on the phone with mother, mother. Yes, it's like well-to-do socialite men. Like, yeah, it's he's weird that way. I think he might have had a problem with his mom. <laughs> you think? Maybe. <laughs> or maybe he doesn't like Mama's Boys. He doesn't like them, but they're like the heroes. Not in Psycho. Well, not in Psycho. You're right. <laughs> all right, all right. So, his mom is played by Jessica Tandy. Like I said earlier, where do you know Jessica Tandy from, Kelsey? Bubblegum and Taffy. I want candy. I want candy. Bubblegum and Taffy. Skip to the sweet shop with my sweetheart, Sandy. Got my penny saved, so I'm a sugar daddy. I'm a Hume Cronin. She my Jessica Tandy. I want candy. Any kind will do. Don't care if it's nutritious or FDA approved. Gonna make me spaz like Bob Cats on booze. Sorry. (laughs) I just had to do it. I want candy, bubblegum and taffy. Skip to the sweet shop with my sweetheart, Sandy. Got my penny saved, so I'm a sugar daddy. I'm a Hume Cronin. She my Jessica Tandy. I want candy. Jessica Tandy is famously from Cocoon. I've never seen Cocoon. Batteries not included. I haven't seen that since I was a little kid. I don't remember anything about it. Fried Green Tomatoes. Never seen it. And Driving Miss Daisy. Saw it when I was a little, little kid. She's Miss Daisy. Ever since then, I've been told that it's a racist movie, so I've never seen it since. I mean, it's... Mostly, I remember uh, Freeman because of his voice. Now, Miss Daisy. That's a terrible impression. That is a very bad impression. Is, that doesn't sound a thing like him. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's the idea. It's it's racist in that in that subtle way where it's like, hey, we're progressive, but, you know, really not. But it is about a time where people were very racist. So you have an old white woman during that time who treats him like he's her slave. And then it turns out that He's her only friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I said, I haven't seen that since I was a little, little kid. I haven't seen Batteries Not Included since I was a little, little kid. Anyway, Jessica Tandy is fucking amazing. I don't know her work. Uh, that's really disappointing. A uh, moving on. They have dinner. So when we first meet the mom, she comes in and she's talking about how her chickens have stopped eating the feed. And then she finds out that other chickens have been doing the same. So birds have been acting very strangely. I want to talk about the sister for a moment. Kathy. So Kathy 
is a funny little girl. Oh, I know what line you're going to say. <laughs> I forget who she's talking about. I think it's his. It's her brother's friends or something. But she's just like, they're all hoods. No. I know all about that democracy jazz. Oh, mom, please. I know all that democracy jazz. They're still hoods. Exactly. Oh, no, the people that he, he uh, he's a lawyer. Oh, it's yeah, it's all the that... people he's defending. So she's like, oh, they're all hoods. In a democracy, everyone is entitled to a fair defense. Oh, mom. <laughs> I know all about the democracy jazz. Like, what? <laughs> they're still hoods. Mitch knows a lot of people in San Francisco. Of course, they're mostly hoods. Kathy. Well, Mom, he's the first to admit it. He spends half his day in the detention cells at the Hall of Justice. In a democracy, Kathy, everyone is entitled to a fair trial. Your brother's practice. Oh, Mom, please. I know all that democracy jazz. They're still hoods. And then he's talking, so Tippy Hedrick asks him about it, and he's talking about, oh, recently I just, uh... I was defending a man who killed his wife. <laughs> yeah. And they all laugh. It's like, oh, is it domestic violence he was, hilarious? He was watching the game and uh, she walked in front of the television set or something like that. And it's like, it's almost like, oh, hey, husbands, you, we've all thought of it, right? <laughs> exactly. It was terrible. Why did he shoot her? He was watching a ball game on television. What? His wife changed the channel. <laughs> So then the mom very clearly does not like Tippy Hedren, and we find out that it's because it was like last summer or something, uh, Tippy Hedren was put in a newspaper and it talked about how she uh, was uh, swimming around naked in a fountain in Rome. Yeah. Later, Tippy Hedren defends herself and explains, look, I'm not going to defend myself when it comes to the fact that, yeah, I was running around Rome and, you know, whatever. But I was not naked and I was pushed into the fountain. I was not swimming. I was not naked. That stuff was made up because it was a newspaper that's a rival against right. my father's My father newspaper. owns a newspaper and it's a rival newspaper and they want to make him look bad through me. But she does admit. She's like, look, I was running around like a socialite that had all the money in the world and didn't have to do anything. But I was not naked. I was not swimming. Yeah. I was pushed. So she's at Annie's house staying there. Annie figures out very quickly that she's there for this guy. And Annie tells her, hey, just so you know, I dated him a couple years ago before his father died. And after his father died, his mother just became a cock blocker, basically. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it destroyed our relationship. And she's like... Now I'm good friends with the mom. She's like, but I can tell you right now, the mom will not let you in. Right. The only reason I'm good friends with her is because me and Mitch aren't going out anymore. Yeah. And she gives her a glass of brandy, which I thought was funny. Because yeah, like today, really that would just be a glass of wine. It's funny because their ages are kind of reversed to what they're supposed to be in the movie. Uh, Suzanne Plachette, who plays Annie Hayworth, she is supposed to be, you know, like five years older uh, than Tippi Hedren. And, you know, in her mid 30s or whatever. And meanwhile, Tippi Hedren's supposed to be in her late 20s. It was the exact opposite in How reality. Mm -hmm. So while they're there at the house, a bird flies into the door and kills itself. That's another bird acting very weird. Mm -hmm. The next day, Tippi Hedren, Melanie, goes to Kathy's 11th birthday. 
and there are a bunch of kids playing and she's flirting with Mitch and Mitch's mom is like, where's a frigger frogger? frogger." (laughs) And, (laughs) And then out of nowhere, all the fucking birds just attack the kids. And this is our first like real attack scene mm-hmm. with the birds. And for a movie that was released in 1963, I'd say it's pretty good effects. I mean, all things considered. It Some... looks really good, except for when they get like the personal attacks, then yeah. it looks very fake. Well, because some are superimposed, which was very difficult. Um, some were uh, puppets, others were real, and some were hand puppets. Those are the ones when they're like actually attacking people and you see them close up. And so they're, like, used with real parts, but they don't move realistically, like, at all. Um, I think my biggest problem is the sound. Yeah, so the sound is... uh, Two things about the sound. (laughs) Number one, there is no soundtrack to the movie. All the music in the the, uh, movie is diegetic. Really? Tippi Hedren plays the piano once, the kids sing a song in the class. There is no soundtrack. So what you do get is a lot of ear-piercingly loud bird noises, which are mixed between actual birds and things like um, what they call a uh, mixtritonium or a tritonium. These are these weird instruments that came out in the middle of the 1900s that make all these weird noises electronically or whatever. And tapes being spooled backwards and forwards and scratching against the needle and I get what they were sound. going for, but it's just grating on the it, ears. Well, and yeah. And it became way too obvious. And once it's noticeable, like that's all you can think about. And you're kind of taken out of it a little bit because of even that. when I was a kid, I was like, that doesn't sound like a bird. Right. But it's supposed to sound a little monstrous. Right. And I understand that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's like I said, it's too grating on the ears. And you get it for a good third of the movie is just that. Yeah. And it gets really annoying. Yeah. I like the idea of not using a soundtrack at all. I think that's really interesting because this movie is mainly up until like the last two acts or so is mainly build up. Mm -hmm. It's just establishing these are real people in a real town. What's the layout? How do people know each other? Like this is really far removed from any actual society, like bigger society that is. It's it's just establishing all this stuff and all the relationships, and you get little moments. A bird running into a door. A bird swooping down and pecking somebody. Weird stuff like that. And it just builds and builds and builds, and then this is the first attack at Kathy's birthday. And they freak out, and they need to take the kids inside, and they get them all inside. Um, and they're like, okay, something's going on. And everyone they talk to is like, Birds don't behave that way. What do you... Later that night, Tippi Hedren is, is still there and reco- they're kind of recovering from the day. I would like to say never understood how none of the kids got hurt. Even when I was a kid, that bothered me. I was like, how are they... How do they not get hurt? There's that okay? wonderful clip of the girl face down on the ground, kind of kicking her feet and the birds it's like pecking so at her. It's so terrible. <laughs> Even as a child, I was like, that doesn't look real at all. And I like, I've always thought that like, w- he didn't want to hurt a kid is what it was. Kids get hurt later on in the movie. It just needs to build. This is the first real attack. There can't be like deaths or eye gouges or anything like that. That kind of stuff comes later. Okay. So. 
they're sitting in the house, and this is this is a moment I really like. They're all kind of sitting in the living room, and Melanie looks over at the fireplace and sees a little sparrow kind of hopping around on the ground. And she's she all she says is Mitch. And then boom! Huge rush of sparrows come pouring out of the chimney through the fireplace and all around the house. And it is fucking madness. Again, how did none of them get hurt? Well, they're always getting bandaged up and stuff like that. Yeah, but that can happen with one bird. I have nothing against birds. I, I desperately want a parrot. But um, one of my friends in college had a bird. And he warned me. He totally warned me. My bird does not like people. I, w- I do not recommend that you try to pet it. And being the dumbass that I was, I slowly, you know, I let it, like, sniff me because I was thinking of it like a dog or a cat, which yeah. is not what a bird is like. And as soon as I touched it, it grabbed onto my finger mm-hmm. and would not let go. So why do you why do you want a bird? Because I don't think all birds are like that. Okay, okay good. I've been scratched by cats. I'm not going to say that all cats are evil. I don't know. There's something about birds that's really creepy. <laughs> I love birds. Anyway, and it would not let go. It hung on. I was thrashing, even though the guy was pissed at me. Did you, like, bang it down? No. <laughs> eventually, it just let go. But, like, it held on. So, if one bird could do that, I can't believe that a billion birds like that wouldn't grab onto them. Yeah, but there's it's an escalation like i said so they're not all like directly attacking there there's a lot of confusion i mean it kind of builds off the idea of if a bird and they mentioned this in the movie if a bird gets trapped in a room with no way out or it doesn't know how to get out it starts freaking out and it's flapping everywhere and it doesn't know what to do and it's kind of like that on a mass scale there's not consistent attacks until later on in the movie like where it's every single bird is attacking every single person. And even then it, you know, people can still get through it. It's not concentrated attacks. They're not an army or anything like that. So anyway, the next day, the mom, Tandy, the mom goes to go and talk to the dude who also his feed is not working for the chickens or whatever. Yeah. And she walks in and this is the most effective shot for me. Well, yeah. This is of the two most effective shots for me. She walks in and it's dead silent. Not even diegetic sound. It's dead silent. Mm -hmm. She walks in and we get a zoom, zoom, zoom on this guy's face and his eyes have been pecked out. Yeah. And then we get a picture of her face and she just looks horrified. Right. And she puts her hands on her face and then she silently runs out. And even when people are trying to talk to her, she can't talk because yeah. she's so afraid. He has like a farmhand there and he's like, wait, what's going on? Because the guy's like, oh, I know I haven't seen the dude all morning, but I just get to work when I come here. So I don't care. Um, I'm sure he's inside. And when she comes out, she, he's like, what's going on? And she's like, oh. Oh, and she just like runs away. <laughs> and I have been in moments in my life where I've been too afraid to talk. So I know that feeling. Uh-huh. So I I don't know. That moment has always resonated with me. It's very cool. Yeah, it's really well done. I love the silence. I love the zooms. It's great. So uh, she goes back to the home and she's still freaking out. And so they confront her. And, you know, she explains what happens and then she they're like, well, where's we need to take care of everybody. Something's obviously going on. Where is Kathy? Well, the guy isn't there. I don't know where he is. No, Mitch is there. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. 
No, because she's having a personal conversation with Tippy Hedren. Oh, he goes... Oh, no, he goes to talk... He leaves. He's there when she gets there, and then he leaves to go find the sheriff or whatever, right? To to make sure it gets reported properly. Or by the time she gets back or something, he there's a call and the sheriff wants his help or something. Anyway, he's taking care of the farmer, and Jessica Tandy is really, like... um disturbed and in her bed and Tippy Hedren's taking care of her and getting her tea and Jessica Tandy is like you know you're not like really all that bad right there's that moment where like you're you're really actually very sweet I know I have my reservations about you but getting to know you you're really not all that bad and she shares with her that she's legitimately worried about her daughter Kathy because because Kathy's not home well but before that she breaks down yeah. She starts crying and she says, I don't want him to leave me, talking about her son. Right, yeah. Um, and she goes, I wish I was stronger, I wish I was stronger, but I'm just not. And I need a man in my life to take care of me. She's really freaking out about Kathy. Like, she keeps bringing her up, almost like what you would expect a person with dementia to do. Like, where's, where's Kathy? And she tells her she's at school. She talks a little bit. Where's Kathy? Do you think she's okay? She's at school. A little while later, Kathy, is she safe? And she's just like, oh my God, I will go and check on her. Right, no, but it's more sweet than that. Yes, she's, she's very like, well, sweet like, well, here, I'll tell it. you what. You need to stay here. You need to calm down. I'll go to the school and I'll check her out. And so Tippy Hedren goes to the school and sees Annie leading the class. In the weirdest song. It is a very very weird song again even as a child i was like what is this song they're singing <laughs> yeah it is very fucking weird the thing about this song is it's so repetitive and it's basically like, um, he's talking about, they're talking about like a guy who just got married and bringing her back to his house. Basically. Yeah. I mean, but, but the cadence of the song is a lot like old McDonald, right? Where it's like old McDonald had a blank E I E I O nonsense gibberish. And on that farm, he had a blank E I O. And then the sounds that the thing makes that's old McDonald. Everyone knows it. I don't know why I'm explaining it to you, <laughs> but in a similar way, this just slots like single lines in a, in a song where each verse is like six or seven lines repeated over and over again. And it's hilarious because she's like, well, they seem fine. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to have a cigarette. And when they're done, I'll talk to them, right? I'll talk to Annie and I'll get Kathy when they're done. And every single time they start a new verse, she looks so annoyed. <laughs> she's like, ah. God damn it. <laughs> I think it's more. Okay. So this is the second most effective scene for me. Well, this, this, I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm, what I'm recognizing is separate from her recognizing the birds. But I don't think it is. I think she's annoyed that the song keeps going because I think her tension is rising because of the birds. Right. But I'm, I'm talking like at first it's like, it's, it's anger and frustration at the fact that this fucking song won't end. And then it becomes, you know, oh, now the birds are showing up and she's starting to notice them and they're populating this playground all over this jungle gym. It's a lot of crows. Again, this is a scene that I remember when I was a kid being like, there's more. There's more. Uh-huh. 
there's more. Dad, why isn't she leaving? There's more. So at a certain <laughs> That's point. That's what I remember thinking as a kid. At a, a kid. certain point, she decides, oh, this is reaching a boiling point. I'd better go inside and I'd better, like, take we care of this. We should explain what's happening. We haven't said what the fuck we're talking about yet. So there's a jungle gym. There's a bunch of other things, too, but there's a jungle gym. And when you first see it, it doesn't seem odd that there might be one or two crows perched on it. Yeah. And then she looks again, and there's a couple more, and it's still, I mean, for for us, the audience, it's, oh, no. Yeah. But in a regular day, you would just be like, oh, this is birds hanging out on the jungle gym. And then she looks, and then it's just tons of them. It's very well done. Yeah. No, it's incredible, like, how they got that to look so good. Mm-hmm. So she goes inside, and she tells Annie about what's going on, and they're like, okay, we're going to do a fire drill. <laughs> Everything's fine. Don't freak out. (laughs) And we're going to get outside. And when I tell you, you're going to run as fast as you can to such and such. And they get outside. And when they start running, the birds start attacking. And this is when some kids get fucked up. A kid falls. A a bird, like, slashes at one of the kids' faces. And, like, there's blood. There's child blood in this. And it's this whole scene of these two women and all these kids running down this hill towards the town being attacked by these crows. And you get a few more of those hand puppet ones that don't look so good. But it's really quite the scene. Um, And they end up making it to the diner. And they're like, something's fucked up. Something's fucked up. Something is fucked up. And everyone's like... That's stupid. Yeah, that's that's dumb. Birds don't behave that way. And uh, ornithologist is there and she's to like be there i hardly think that either species would have sufficient intelligence to launch a mass attack <laughs> their brain pans are not big enough to be. i just came from the school madam i don't know anything about their brain pans but well i do i do know ornithology happens to be my avocation birds are not aggressive creatures miss they bring beauty into the world this is back when she was an old woman in the 60s. So she was born in the late 1800s. She didn't have much to do but look at birds. And She's like Stan. Yes, she is. She's like Stan. So she learns all <laughs> You their, wouldn't like, know that if you've only species. seen the goddamn movies. God damn it. <laughs> She's talking about it, okay? Stan is supposed to be is a, a bird watcher. He's a birder. Oh, God. That's the preferred nomenclature. That's how he gets rid of Pennywise. Yes. He was trapped. The only thing he could think of to do was to hold his bird book out in front of him like a shield and say as loud as he could the names of all the birds he could remember. Long oh, next page. Speckled grass, Baltimore Oriole. Gray Hammer, Woodbury, Brown Thrush. Brown Thrush. Anyway, um... She's like, yeah, no, that's ridiculous. Could you imagine what it would be like? Like, we'd be overrun. We'd be doomed. That There's no way that that's happening. Now, maybe we're all getting a little carried away by this. Admittedly, a few birds did act strange, but that's no reason to believe. I keep forget- telling you, this isn't a few birds. These are gulls, crows, swifts. I have never known birds of different species to flock together. The very concept is unimaginable. Why? If that happened, we wouldn't have a chance. How could we possibly hope to fight them? And then another dude comes in and it's like, oh, you should have seen what happened to me and blah, blah, blah. And then it just keeps building and building where people are like, no, it's happened to me. And then this lady there with her kids starts like super panicking. It's like, could you guys shut the fuck up? My kids are freaking out. 
no, lady, you're freaking out. Oh, yeah. She <laughs> she goes nuts. Yeah. Like, in that first scene, like, when she doesn't really have any reason to, she's like, the children, the children's ears. Jesus, no wonder your kids are on edge, because you're on edge. Yeah. So, everyone gets proven right when the birds fucking attack en masse. And this is when shit goes really bonkers. A guy, like a sailor who's across the street in a gas station, is filling up his car, and the bird attacks him, and he falls over, and the nozzle falls out, and gasoline's going everywhere, and it trickles across the street to where a guy is lighting a cigar, and they're like, no, buddy, don't do it! Don't do it! And he gets attacked by a bird as well, and he's like, whoa! And he throws his cigar, it lights the gas at his feet, sets him on fire, and blows up the cars. The fire travels across the gasoline. Which wouldn't really happen? The cars wouldn't blow up like that, no. It wouldn't just, what, fire? Boom! Like, you know, your people smoke in their cars, and you know there's a there, there are explosions going off in your engine where gasoline travels via a tube to the gas tank, or from the gas tank. Like, there's, it's not that fragile. But we haven't, okay, so we haven't talked about how we see all this, and this was a brilliant move by Hitchcock. Why she ran out into the street, I don't remember if she had a reason to, or if she just freaked out. I don't remember. I think she was just trying to get somewhere. This is before the lady says that it's her fault. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so at some point, Tippi Hedren runs out and gets into a phone booth. And it was a brilliant move on Hitchcock's part because we now have this fantastic vantage point. And it's not just that the movie, I mean, it's just, it's not just that the camera is omniscient. We're following Tippi Hedren and we're seeing what she sees yeah. from the perspective of the phone booth. And we get to see it from there. So she's got glass on all sides. And so the camera can follow what she's looking at. And it's just, it's so awesome. Birds it's so well done. attacking the doors and her trying to get out and then getting pushed back in because of all the birds. and Witnessing all of the chaos. Yeah. Kind of like what happens in Dawn of the Dead. When she runs out and she can just see all the madness happening yeah, around her. Uh-huh. But this is better because it's it's more frightening because Tippi Hedren is caught in this space where she can't get out. Yeah. I mean, she can get out, but you know what I mean. If she gets out, the birds will attack her. And it's really tense and it's really well done. And so she manages to make her way back into the diner and it's like super fucking quiet. And... Like, it's empty, like everyone got out. And then she turns the hallway and she sees everyone cowering in a hallway, including that mother who's like, this didn't start until you got here. This is your fault. And she like, and Tippi Hedren just like slaps her. I I think you're evil. I think you're evil. Evil. (laughs) What? Why? And so Tippi Hedren just slaps her. Yeah. And like, is one of those, I had to stop her screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop her screaming. One event leads to another and they wind up back at Mitch's house with Kathy and Jessica Tandy. And the birds start attacking there. So they're, they're, they're trying to board everything up, right? So they're boarding up all the windows and they're boarding up all the doors and uh, they're trying to protect themselves and they get attacked and... Birds are still breaking through the door. They're pecking at one of the doors, causing a bunch of little holes in it and causing it to burst open. Um, And it's going fucking crazy. And everything sort of calms down after a while. And everyone's kind of going to sleep. They're getting some rest and stuff like that. And and Tippi Hedren hears like a like a flutter. 
like, what the fuck is that? And so she she goes upstairs and she goes into the, one of the master bedrooms or something like that. I never understood why she went in. She had no reason to expect that this is what would happen. She opens the door and she sees a giant gaping hole in the roof caused by the bird attack where they ended up breaking through. And this room is filled with birds. And so like she turns on the light or whatever and sees all of them and she gets shocked closing herself in accidentally. And she gets attacked by all these birds. Like if you were all the way in the room before you saw it happening and you're like, why was she already in the room? The moment she opened it, she should have seen the bird and not, not to mention the whole reason she goes up there is because she can hear flapping. Like it doesn't make sense. One bird. It's not like a lot of flapping. Anyway, are you going to like solve the case? Is there some solution? I'm trying to point out. Why does she run outside? Why does she go into the room? Because Hitchcock wanted these moments. Okay, it fair enough. It doesn't actually make sense with the story. You I think really it's think reasonable it. that somebody would look into a sound. Not in this case, I don't think. It, it, from my own personal perspective, if birds are attacking and I hear a flutter, I most certainly wouldn't go in the room. And if I did, I would slowly open the goddamn door. And as soon as I saw a fucking feather, I would close the door. (laughs) Well, you can take solace in the fact that you're smarter than Melanie. I guess. And And she's also like a rich socialite who does risky things all the time. It is a problem with Hitchcock's women. Yeah. He doesn't think very kindly of women. He kind of thought we were idiots. There are few... Strong women in his movies. There are. They exist. But in general, he is not kind to women. No. And we and we, we know that because and of the way it, he treats it, them on the set. He actually, yes, that too. We'll get into that in just a moment. I do want to say, I think he does a good job with independent women. I think he has a major respect for independent women and women of the time. I think he really did think that that they they like, were like the sister in Psycho. She's strong and independent, but and... he didn't think we were very smart. Yeah, and he did not think, and he thought very lowly of women who were dependent on men. And so Tippy Hedren thought the same thing as you did, <laughs> and she asked him, "Why would she do this?" Do you know what his response was? Because I said so. Because I said so. Exactly. He didn't care that it didn't make sense. He wanted those moments. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a good point. Um, and tell them, this is the famous scene, tell them. So. Soldier boy, tell them. Soldier boy, tell them. <laughs> um, this is the scene that famously Tippi Hedren, who wasn't a big fan of birds in the first place, and was told she wouldn't be interacting with any real birds all that much, like any dangerous birds. Like she interacts with the finch or whatever early on in the movie. She carries the cage full of, uh, with the two lovebirds or whatever, but she's not really interacting with live birds. She was not actually expecting to go into this room and for there to be live birds there, but there was. Which I think is totally fucked up. They it's really hurt fucked her. Up. Totally. I think she might have gotten scratched or something like that or mildly injured, but it could have been worse. I um, would have sued the shit out oh, of Oh, she fucking hated him. And I think this is the point where she said she'd never work for him again. But yeah, that's famously the scene where her reaction is supposed to be genuine. Of course, it, there could be a lot of editing that could be anachronistic, but that's the famous story that's told. 
Uh, anyway, she fucking loses her mind because there's no way out. And she keeps trying to open the door, but can't get it open because the, the room is too dense with birds flapping around and attacking her. And Jessica Tandy and Mitch, Rod Taylor, need to burst in and crack the door open and find a way, even though she's lying unconscious in front of the door, find a way of, like, getting her out. And they eventually do. And she's, like, fucking lost it. She's just out of it. She's unconscious, and when she wakes up, she's just nowhere. They decide that they need to get out of here, and they they notice, and they don't really even talk about it, but they do notice that the attacks come in waves. Now, there's a reason I said waves. Because in the book, they figure out that the attacks are associated with the tides. That's not in this movie. There are very few similarities between the book and the movie. The core premise, bird attacks at different intervals. Um, and there are times when you can walk right by them and they won't touch you. They're not interested in you. The small town on the bay, that kind of stuff. Um, but otherwise, it's uh, completely different. It doesn't even take place in America in the original story. It takes place in England. But they're using that to their advantage. And he gets in the car. The place is just fucking covered with birds there are birds everywhere on their property on the porch on the roof on the grass in the driveway and the sky is dark and he gets to the car and he just like kind of coasts it forward and the birds kind of like shuffle out of the way just like they normally would but there's tons of them and he slowly takes him and, and his mom slowly take melanie out there and she comes out and she's like no no, no. 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 So they end up getting her into the car eventually. And then he goes and he gets um, his sister, Kathy. And she's like, can I take the lovebirds? They haven't done anything. They haven't hurt anybody. They're just sitting in this cage. And he's like, fine. It doesn't make any damn sense. Because they're in a cage anyway. What's going to happen? And Who cares? <laughs> and when, when she comes in the car with the birds, Jessica Tandy is like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's like, oh no. And they turn the car on and they again slowly coast out the driveway and the camera stays on their porch and watches as they drive away and then it just fades and to the credits. Or no credits, it just fades to black. Because the credits were all in the beginning of the movies back then and he wanted to give it a sense that there is no satisfying ending. You don't know if this ever stops. You don't know if it's happening wherever they're going. It is not the end. It's just our story is over. This is pretty cool, I thought. Satan's pretty cool. Satan's pretty cool. Satan's pretty cool. Kelsey. Yeah. Lightning round. I love the credit scene. It's great. You get the flapping of the wings and just birds just kind of oh, popping yeah. up. Oh, uh, yeah. As birds flap by, the names come by. And yeah. It's no, very it's, creepy. It's very neat. Hitchcock loved his title sequences. Uh, there's some great lines. In the beginning, when she and the guy don't want to admit that they like each other, she calls him a louse. I think you're a louse. Yeah. Later, she says, I loathe you. Uh, that kind of sounds pretty funny. She meets this man. She doesn't know him at all, and he's just like, I'm just going to tell you my name, where I live, where, where I'm going, what I'm doing this weekend. Like, every single fucking detail of his personal life, so that she knows exactly where to go. When she goes, she's a fucking ca crazy driver. 
Yeah. Like, I w- terrifying. Well, it's more to her character. And it's she's a reckless and, young person. And it made me so sad about the Burroughs because they couldn't have been comfortable. But there's a really funny shot. Where <laughs> she's going because she's driving along the coast. And if you've ever driven along the coast, you know that it's, it's very windy. windy. Yeah. And so the birds, they show them. It, they had to be electronic. They like they move completely sideways well, they're every not completely time she sideways. turns. They tilt slight slightly <laughs> from side to side as she makes these these curves. She gets his address from some. I think it's from Annie, uh, or no, it's from some random guy who it's works from on the, the guy docks. At the post office, and it's just like. I want to know where this man lives. Give me his address. Listen, I'm she telling could be you. be a fucking killer for all you know. Listen, I was born in a town like this. A very small seaside town. And when you're small like this and you're very isolated and there's no reason anyone would really be stopping there. It's just a place where people pass through. And that's only if they're on the coast highway, right? So most people don't take the PCH all the way up. So... It's it's not a very dangerous place. And this is in the 80s where my grandfather would leave his keys in his truck with the door unlocked. <laughs> and he'd go into the store and literally, literally everyone in the town knew everyone uh-huh. in the town. You did not pass a person without saying hello and calling them out by name. Like this is just... These are these places. You didn't lock your front door. That's relatively new. People locking their front doors is new within the past 30 to 40 years. People didn't used to fucking do that because there was an expectation that like who would ever enter your home. So I'm not too surprised. There's even a scene where she gets into a car with Kathy and tries to drive away and realizes the keys aren't in the ignition. (laughs) Right? Like, come on. Because in this place, the keys would be in the ignition. That's just how it was back then. So while she's at the party, at the 11-year-old's party, they're drinking, and he pours her more, and she's like, oh no, I couldn't have any more, I have to drive. And then she drinks <laughs> as soon as she says it. Yeah. Okay. All right, Kelsey. Yes. What do you think its Rotten Tomatoes score is? 93. 96. Nice. Proving once again that build-up is the key to suspense, Alfred Hitchcock successfully turned birds into some of the most terrifying villains in horror history. Very well-regarded movie. Do you think it's overrated or underrated? Uh, I'd probably give it an 88. I was going to say 87. It's definitely dated. The special effects are not great. They're not terrible, but they're not great. I mean, we've talked about other movies in the past where... The special effects for their time were amazing and still kind of are fascinating and hold up. But this is a lot of early, not early composite work. The composite work was done a lot, but like to this extent, I think think Hitchcock was a little too ambitious here. Yeah. I feel like you should be able to look at your material and be honest with yourself and say, will this look good? Right. So there were things. It wouldn't have. There were things that they did cut. A lot of the flying birds, like while their wings are flapping uh, and they would get these, they would cut them out of these, this film and you'd catch like flutters of like blue when there shouldn't be in, in their wings. It was really hard because their wings are flapping faster than the film is, is catching it. So you're getting a blur and you get the color behind their wings and that's not good and it wouldn't composite very well. So they didn't use that a lot, but yeah, there are, the puppets are really bad. 
Although for the time, it was really impressive. I think it was, um, was it Akira Kurosawa who says that this is one of his favorite films because he was impressed by how Hitchcock made it look like there were so many birds. Like he wasn't convinced that they were actually there, <laughs> but he did say he did say he would really like to know how he did it. I which really is great like praise. this movie. So do I. I just, there are a lot of problems. There are a lot of problems. I would have never remembered. That's why she goes up Bodega Bay. Uh-huh. It is the weirdest story. <laughs> I want to play a practical joke on a man I've never met, and I'm gonna drive all the way out there. Looking like a crazy person, but he's into it, so that's good. Right, kind of. Metacritic also gave this an 87. There are nine positive reviews and three mixed reviews. No negative reviews, though, and I'm not surprised. I wouldn't give this movie a negative review. 87 is really good. It's just I know there are other Hitchcock films that are so much better. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll get to some of them Mm -hmm. eventually. But I really like this, and I think... I don't like that the story is a little weak. Yeah. There are weird things that don't make sense, but they all give you great visuals and great moments. Yeah, and great buildup. It it does a really good job of building tension. Mm-hmm. All right, that was The Birds. Next. <sighs> Flu Birds. Sci-fi original. Or Flu Bird Horror. Depending on, listen, it was nearly impossible to find this movie, especially under Flubird Horror. The way I found it is by purchasing it on, on YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> I've literally never done that before. <laughs> Ever. And I did it for this. Ugh, God. But first, slash cards. Sock it to me, Kelsey. 1980s Friday the 13th takes place in what U.S. state? I'm going to say Illinois. New Jersey. Seriously? Yep. I can, okay. Yeah. I'll accept it. I don't know why I thought it was one of those. I don't either. I was like dead set. Like it's one of those in that area there. I would have had no idea. I would have guessed California because I would have had I, no fucking I idea. Know, I should I mean, have I know known. it should be in a foresty area. But I, I didn't know New Jersey was a foresty area. New Jersey area. is a very large state. It's called the Garden State for a reason. In the t- in the cities and stuff like that, you're not going to get any of that. But, you know, just like there's upstate New York, there's definitely forested areas of New Jersey. And I think I knew that, too. And I'm a little bummed I didn't get that right. Damn it. All right. Sam's sister went missing out there. That's correct. In the remake of Friday the 13th. Young Michael Myers killed his sister Judith on Halloween night in what year? Think of the question carefully. Okay, so he comes back in 79. And he was... that's, That's when he comes back. This is about when he first killed his first sister. You're right, but not about the year. It doesn't take place in 79? No. It takes place in 78? Yes. Okay, whatever. How many years was he in lockup? How old is he when he gets out? I think he's like 21. Uh-huh. He's like five when it happens. So is it 16 years? I feel like he says 17 years a bunch of times. What? No. He's not five when he kills her? No. He's like eight? No. 
10? Close. But he's dressed like a clown. He's a little kid. Yeah, he's 11. So 10 years. Mm-hmm. So 1968. That is correct, but you don't get credit for that. <laughs> I was thinking it was 63. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Nah, 68. 10 years. He doesn't look like he's 10. He looks like a little kid. Well, why, why would a 10-year-old dress like a clown? I don't remember how old I was when I dressed up. I dressed up as a clown one year. I think it's because I inherited a hand-me-down costume from my brother. I got a lot of costumes that way, goddammit. That sucks. I was a vampire one year that way. I was a Freddy Krueger one year that way. Like, no joke, it was a lot of Your me. brother dressed up like Freddy Krueger? He did, yeah. Oh. It was a lot of me, like, digging into our Halloween bin, which I fucking loved. Okay. <laughs> I loved Halloween as a kid, and it terrified me. I, there's something about having a bin full of Halloween stuff that made me feel good. Because I knew, oh, these are the ones I saw last year. Right? I know exactly what they were. And I could get close to them and I wasn't afraid of them. And that made me feel a lot better about knowing it's the same way for all the other stuff outside, too. Like, it made me it made me come to terms with my fear of Halloween. Because I don't know if I told the story on... You did. I did, about how... My grandma needed to drive up the street to pick me up from the bus stop because fucking paper witches in windows creeped the shit out of me. Cartoon witches. Like, so I didn't do very good with, with Halloween until I started, like, embracing that box. And so that's where I got my vampire costume. That's where I got my Freddy Krueger costume. Hand-me-down costumes. And one year was a clown. And... I don't know how old I was. I feel like 10 is too old. When I, was, when I was really young, I was Bruce Lee and my brother, I know, right? <laughs> All that my dad did was he dressed me in like a, like a white gi and my brother in like a red one. And so we were very, very close to Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter. Paint, uh, sprayed my hair black not with spray paint but you know that that spray hair dye stuff and that's all he did okay it was like it was like 89 or something like that okay <laughs> and my brother was chuck norris so anyway that's costumes from when i was a kid <laughs> way off topic god all right so Flubird Horror, or Flubirds, from 2008, directed by Lee Scott and written by Tony Daniel and Brian D. Smith, starring Claire Carey, Lance Guest, and Jonathan Trent. Kelsey, what's the premise of Flubirds? A group of kids from Juvie. Juvie. Who are not kids at all. They're all 38. <laughs> old they're definitely not uh, i was teens. exaggerating for effect they are on a camping trip and yeah. unfortunately for them they happen to go the weekend that birds have flu bird bird flu the bird flu they have the bird flu and they've gotten nuts and they're attacking and they're mutated even yes they are mutated oh god okay we almost almost watched Birdemic because I could not find this movie for the longest time. <laughs> it took forever to actually find it because I was looking for a long time under Flubird Horror and it's not streaming anywhere under that name. It's streaming for pay on YouTube under Flubirds. You can't even get it on the sci-fi app. No. It's stupid. 
it is stupid. I agree. And we almost saw Birdemic, which we really didn't want to watch. Because it is intentionally bad. I showed Kelsey the trailer. Oh, God. It is intentionally bad. Just from the trailer, I was like, I don't want to do this. Right. I don't want to say it. It's not intentionally bad the way, like, a spoof could be, you know? So we almost watched the Rift Tracks version of that so we could at least laugh at something that's supposed to be funny. Did not want to see it, so we we were relieved to finally see this. And this is better than Birdemic looked. Oh, it's way better than Birdemic looked. But should people pay money to watch it on YouTube? No, do not pay money to see this. But I, okay, so I went into it with exceedingly low expectations because of how bad Red Clover was. And this was way better. Uh, Way better? Way better. Way better. Way better. Way better. Chris hated this movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. I had fun watching it. I didn't hate it. And I'm sorry. I think they're all secretly geniuses. And this was all done on purpose. I don't think so. I I think that's just the caliber of actor you get when you have a very low budget. I think it was all done on purpose. And I had a lot of fun watching it. I disagree. You think hiring a bunch of French Canadians who can't hide their accents was done intentionally? I'm assuming they're French Canadian. I didn't hear an accent at all. Okay, so there were... (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? No. There were way too many people that couldn't hide their accent. Like the general guy and the pilot and the dude who is in the underpass thing and he tells the girl to halt. And there's a lot of people in this movie that have very obvious what appear to be French accents in a movie where everyone's speaking English and seems to be taking place in America, I can only assume it's Canadian. And we got some French Canadians here. I That's the only thing I can assume. It's really bad. And do not pay money for this. And I'm sorry, that means you're probably not going to see it because it's just simply not available any other way. Even illegally. Like, you just, you cannot find this movie anywhere. And I'm really, really bummed about that. But not so bummed. <laughs> <laughs> Really, really bummed is a lie. How did we wa- Do you remember how we watched Red Clover? Was it through sci-fi? No. Oh. Was it, was it on either, Amazon? It was either Amazon or iTunes. Oh. Yeah. It boggles my mind that you can watch a piece of shit like Red Clover, but then this, which is a m- tons of time better. I'm sorry, it is. It's so much better. And you can't find it anywhere. Anyway, we'll talk about this movie in just a moment just listen to the trailer and you'll see what i'm talking about and when we get back we'll talk about 2008's flu birds what'd you get busted for again solicitation that was the lamest pickup line i've ever heard what the hell were those definitely not a bear attack i'm not gonna believe this avian flu it's a mutant virus Get out of here. How can we? Those things fall at us here. It's time. <laughs> right? Okay. There's a problem. You mean other than giant monster birds? Kelsey. Yes. What happens in flu birds? We open on these two guys. Who are on a quote-unquote hunting trip, but they're not. Just trying to 
spend some time away from their wives. Dumb wife, as he calls her. Yeah. Her stupid wife or something. It's like, we should have said we went fishing because it's easier to to just sit back and wait to catch a fish. Well, I, I think the implication was that they didn't actually fish. They just went and bought a fish. Right. Yeah. No, totally. You can do that. As opposed to hunting where they, he's like, all we got to do is get one buck or whatever. And then, yeah, but that's still hard. We got to do something. I just want to do nothing. Just want to be away from my wife. All I'm saying is that we have to come back with something. I know, I know. But I took this trip to get away from the dumb wife. Not to drag my butt through the woods. All we got to do is bag one deer. That shouldn't be too hard. I should have used fishing as an excuse. Like last time. <laughs> and out of nowhere comes a giant bird. I wrote, oh goodness, <laughs> it's like a pterodactyl bat crow thing. <laughs> yes. And it changes shape throughout the movie because when we see them up close, it very obviously looks like a person in a It's a, a person costume. in a suit, obviously. It, it, it reminds me of the old Godzilla movies. It's a little more form-fitting than that. But then far away, they're like CG. Yeah. And they're not like... I showed you the trailer. They're not like Birdemic bad. Which they're are really bad not. on purpose. It's just birds in like GIFs. <laughs> just flapping their wings in a single motion. It's really bad. This they put some effort in. But I almost think this movie could have benefited from showing them way less. Yeah. Like hardly ever showing them. The Jaws method. Yes. All right, so they get attacked, and that's the beginning of the movie. And then we cut to... <laughs> a group of juvie kids. Juvies. Who are all 34, <laughs> at least. Maybe not. But they're pretty... They're obviously not juvenile. And one of them who they call Porky, because he's... Fat, I assume? A little fat, yeah. He's got... A thing around his eyes, and one of them is supposed to be leading him to... A flag. Yeah. And, of course, they're just fucking with him. And the counselor is like, I'm trying to teach you about trust. And then he says, no rewards. And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Pretty quickly, we find out that there, one of the girls was put in juvie for solicitation. So here's how it happened. She was like, hey, let's make out. I want to fuck you. All that, you know. And the guy asks her... What'd you get busted for again? And she says solicitation. And he says, that's what I thought. And then, like, it doesn't go any further than that. He's like, no, nah, I'm not into that. <laughs> it's a really down look on sex workers. Um, and then we meet these other two guys. And one of them dies really quickly. So we never find out what he does. But the other one is a hacker. And he's talking about how he hacked into his school uh computers and fucked with people's um, he, he like gave people better grades if they paid him he offered a service yeah and the guy's like you went to juvie for like hacking into your school's computers and he's like no i hacked into the pentagon the or pentagon something like that. but that's another story yeah ugh, it's so poorly written so you're here because you were hacking into your school's computer no i'm here because i hacked the pentagon but that's a different story I can send email or do MySpace. It's such a cliche. Anybody who's a hacker who needs to be in a group of troubled kids, 
they hacked into the FBI or the Pentagon or something like that. Hackers. Fucking hell. <laughs> Hack the planet! <laughs> Hack the planet! Hack the planet! Shut up and get in the car! Hack the planet! Hack the planet! Then, like, the counselor, like, walks away and the cool guy is like, come on, Porky, like, let it go. But apparently the guy doesn't hear him. No. And keeps wandering around until he's totally lost, takes off the, the thing, and gets attacked by a bird. And, yeah, they don't waste any time. Like, that's it. From here on out, it's they're under attack. There's no, what's going on? We found a dead body. Like, none of that. It's, they just get fucking attacked. And the counselor dies, and all these juvie kids need to find their way on their own. There's also another guy who... <laughs> the cool guy calls him hip hop. Yeah. He's a white guy that talks like he is not white. So when he's panicking, he's like repeating to himself. He's like, I gotta represent. I gotta represent. I gotta represent 101%. Yes. It's like the player's mantra. <laughs> I gotta represent. I gotta represent. I gotta represent 101%. I gotta represent. Shut up. He's like, I don't want to die. Game over, man. Game over. So, and then there's this other chick who refuses to say why she was put in juvie. And at one point, the hip-hop kid, like, grabs her or something to, like, I don't know, help her get away. And she starts screaming, don't you touch me. Don't you ever touch me. Nobody ever touches me. And it's very clear that her father abused her. We find out later that the reason she's in juvie... Is because she set her house on fire with her father in it. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> you are not going to juvie. Just like the other guy who killed a man or whatever. The cool guy. So then they find, so they find the uh, counselor's pack and inside is a pack of cigarettes. And cool guy takes it out and gives one each to the girls and takes one for himself. And the hacker is like, hey, can I get a cigarette? And he's like, buy your own. And he has, like, all of this aggression towards this like, hacker. Like, just unnecessary aggression. It seems like they're playing a race angle. Yeah. Because the hacker is black. Yeah. And, and it seems like they're playing a race but angle. But they don't want to actually say that? It is never said, and he's just unreasonably hostile to this guy. <laughs> so they take the the map, the cigarettes, they find a flare gun with two shots, and we find out later that the main chick, she finds a radio and they never explain how she got it without the dude seeing it because the dude's the cool guy is the one who went through the pack and got everything out it's just a plot hole they never explain it so then we cut to a hospital and it is a terrible setup for a hospital it's a bad set it looks like a warehouse that they were using there she's doing like surgery on the one of the guys, it looks from the like beginning. a hallway. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a hallway. It's it's really bad. And it's the fish and wildlife dude and a and a doctor, doctor and they're like they have like spouses past love story. And he used to be a drunk, but he's not a drunk anymore. See, so that's why like they needed to have a conflict and a reason for them to be broken up. But they needed you to like the guy, so he just used to be a drunk, and now he's happy and nice. Mm-hmm. And now they can be back together again. It's just so blindingly obvious. And they talk about how this is ridiculous. So 
this whole thing I wrote, not X-ray. I won't go back. Because <laughs> like, I was just like, what is this hospital? Yep. Why are the people doing things this way? Yep. So the fish and wildlife dude whose name is like Garrett or something. Yeah, Garrett, who finds a scale. And he's like, well, there are only two things that have scales, reptiles and birds. And this was not done by a reptile but it's way too, like, violent and crazy to be a bird. And then the doctor finds out that it's actually a mutated version of the bird flu mm -hmm. where there has never been a case known to be in America and they never explain why it ever spread. Yeah, and not in a way where it's like, oh, that's a cool mystery left hanging. It's like they forgot to explain it. <laughs> or they just didn't have one. <laughs> yeah. There are a few of those because basically – they're operating on this guy. He's one of the hunters. Yeah. And he's obviously been infected by something. And he's like talking about the birds or whatever. Um, and it's spreading and it's making him worse. And they never really say what happens when you're infected. So apparently this may also explain why some of them look like dudes in suits. It was supposed to transform you into one of these birds. But they just didn't have a budget to do a good transformation. <laughs> so they just cut that part out. So instead, their skin, like, you get, like, open sores, basically. Yeah. Uh -huh. But it makes the skin around the sore, like, really gross. It is pretty gross. I will say that. Yeah. And I guess it, you die because of it. They, except for this one dude who dies in the hospital, but he looked gutted anyway. Um, like, nobody dies from the infection. But they get really sick. Yeah. And the implication is that they are going to die. That they're going to die. But we never actually see one no. die. So the, the juvie kids are holed up in this facility in the woods. So, yeah. So they find, like, an abandoned, like, mine or some shit. And they find it, and it's all boarded up. And the cool kid takes out the gun, the flare gun, and forces the hacker to go inside. So... When he does it, he, you know, it's boards. It should be one at a time. It should take a long time. It should be hard. But instead, they just come off in panels. He does nothing to take them off. Yeah, uh -huh. He just picks them up and they're gone. Uh, and they can smell gas everywhere. Well, before that, cool guy hands fire girl the backpack. Yeah. And the solicitor... The solicitor, who, the sex worker. Yes, who wants to have sex with cool guy, takes the backpack and she goes, don't even think about it, trick. Don't even think about it, trick. <laughs> <laughs> she makes the weirdest faces throughout the entire film. I don't know if she's just a really bad actress or if it was on purpose, but she just makes the most bizarre faces. Anyway, so they go inside, and yes, they realize very quickly we can't stay in here because gas is leaking in here. And right, and that's the reason why they set, shut down the mine. So keep that in mind when we tell you about this next thing. They're searching through this facility, and this additional juvie guy, who I don't think we ever found out what he did. <laughs> um, yeah, he's the one I said earlier, was talking to the hacker. Yeah, he finds a box full of TNT. <laughs> He's like, guys, it's TNT. And then because they're fighting over the gun or whatever, they end up accident. The hacker guy, I think, accidentally shoots. Because the hacker gets it away from hip hop. And he's like, who's in Who's in. Not uh, from hip hop, from cool guy. Yeah, from cool guy. Who's in, in charge now or something. Yeah. 
and, and it accidentally goes off and he just shoots the dude with a flare and he just immediately bursts into flames <laughs> right next to the TNT in a closed down mine with a gas leak <laughs> and nothing happens. He just dies from the burns. Yeah. And, and they act like, well, that was shitty. Right, like, yeah, like nobody like gives a Nothing fuck. happened. <laughs> so what they, they, um, fire chick, she gets on the radio and calls out to whoever can hear her. And that's Garrett. And so now Garrett knows that there are these kids out here in the middle of the forest during this bird attack and they need to go rescue them. But the, the radio goes in and out. So they have no idea where they are. Um, and they need to get out of this place because they're going to suffocate because the gas is leaking so bad. But you would think that would happen in a boarded up facility <laughs> where gas has been leaking for years. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden they're going to suffocate in a day <laughs> when they opened up the door. Or what? Anyway, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. So they have this big argument about whether or not to send Porky out. Well, before that happens, we see another conversation between the doctor and the parks guy. And she's explaining about the fact that, okay, he has a blood-borne disease. Yeah. Um, you have to get it through fluids or whatever. But it could possibly mutate to become airborne. Yeah. Then we cut back to our juvie kids. And all of a sudden, they suddenly understand that uh, Porky is infected. Yeah, there's an infection and it can spread. Because that... That knowledge transmitted from one scene to the ne very next scene with no explanation as to why these kids know it. It's really dumb. So they argue about whether or not to send Porky out and they end up voting. And Porky tries to vote and they're like, you don't get a vote, man. Sorry, Ace. You don't get a vote. Yeah. So they end up forcing Porky outside. Um, when they go outside and they leave him there and they run away while he gets attacked and killed. By these birds. And then so they keep running on. Meanwhile, Garrett and the doctor, Dr. Hale, end up going to look for these kids. But they run into an immediate, like, quarantine. The government's here. And these are the guys I'm telling you have the really bad French-Canadian accents. I'm protecting the public, doctor. This country hasn't seen a single case of H5N1, let alone a mutant bird. Letting people run in and out of that hospital is potentially giving this entire city a death sentence. Obviously not made in America. <laughs> and they're told they can't leave, and they just they just talk their way out of it. Like, the dude just lets them go. Yeah, it's it's weird. I can't even remember. Oh, no, no, it's because he's, they explain there's a group of kids out there, and the guy says, well, you better hurry because we're going to blow it all up. So then we find this other doctor who's working inside the hospital, and she's just like, I have a family, I have to get out of here. Well, because she's the one that figures out that it actually has gone airborne. Yes. And she's like, I gotta get out of here, even though she's obviously infected. It's very much like the stand. And she goes to leave. I yeah, mean, thank I, you for pointing that out. That's there, true. There were even lines in it that I was like, you stole that from the stand. <laughs> like... How the disease in the stand spreads is it's a government facility and this guard, uh, realizing that shit's gone down, rustles up his family and and leaves the quarantine zone. And he's the one that spreads it because he needs to get out. It's like, dude, too late. And that's exactly what she was going to do. And she makes it almost all the way out, but she gets stopped by a guard. And the by guard... a very bad actor. Yes. This area is under quarantine. Ma'am, I need you to return to the hospital immediately. Um, no, I'm with CDC. Well, then show me ID, please. 
And he's just like, you know, I can't let you leave. Halt. 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 Halt, damn it, halt. And he keeps trying to get her to stop, and she just keeps walking. And then he pulls the gun on her. She doesn't turn around. And she takes a step forward. Then he cocks the gun. She stops. She doesn't turn around. And she takes another step forward. And he just fucking shoots her in the head. And good for him. Good for him. That's what you need to do. I'm sorry. But the rest of the world will be infected. Yes. It's really not okay for you to get out. I mean, we saw it in the stand. And it might sound cruel and heartless, but that's just the way you gotta be when it comes to this kind of shit. Meanwhile, Garrett and Dr. Hale are just driving around for a very long time looking for these kids. And they they just don't find them. They end up, just to get through this part, they end up going back to her place. And uh, we never see any of that. It's just the very next scene we see them in. They're back in the car and they're driving again. It's like totally pointless. We just needed that moment of knowing they're back together. Um, And that's it. But the kids find like a residence for the mine workers. There's like a cabin out there. And they start, they spend the night there, basically. Uh, We get a scene where cool guy and sex worker make out. And they are, like, eating each other's faces. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It can't be that they thought that was good. I, I'm telling you they are geniuses. No. And they were doing it so subtly. There's no way in hell. You couldn't tell. There is no way in hell. I. It reminded me of Jennifer's body. Because a lot nope. of people, a lot of people seen saw Jennifer's, Jennifer's body. And they think it's stupid. They think it's ridiculous. Jennifer's body's it's, great. It's all on purpose. And I'm telling you it has to be on purpose in this movie no it's not it was hilarious and you're wrong they might be leaning into the fact that they don't have a budget or whatever but this is not birdemic this is not a spoof well i this is a low budget sci-fi movie i saw the trailer for birdemic and it looked god awful right but obviously bad like there's no way anybody could have seen that and been like it's cool no this looks like april fool's yeah, that looks like a student project. Christmas. Those look like student projects. So does Birdemic, from what I saw. Right, but it's uh, it's to the point where there's nobody that could think that they could get away with that being actually good. They just leaned really hard into, oh, let's just make it silly. This is like, oh, we can make it, you know, like a bad horror movie or whatever, but there's no comedy. Like, there's no, nothing is used to comedic effect at any point. You may think the makeout, but that's like the only thing that no, you can pull. No, a bunch of no. things. No, nothing is Hip-hop funny in this movie. Hip hop is hilarious. Yeah, it, no, he's hilarious because it's so trite. It but is it's so on trite. No, no, no. On purpose, it's trite. The the stupid white boy who thinks he's uh, street <laughs> is so fucking trite. And then mocking him in your own movie, making him a character worthy of derision, is. Also trite. Like, it's not like they thought of something clever here. It's really bad. I'm sorry. It's very bad. At one point, we see one of the birds pecking out an eye. And I was like, oh, Jesus. It was hard. I couldn't watch it. It doesn't look realistic. It does not look realistic. Of course it doesn't look realistic. It looked realistic in the birds in 1963. (laughs) This is obviously a prosthetic thing over him. And then it had this tiny little hole that an eyeball couldn't even fit in even if it could it didn't it like no no it's just dumb it's dumb and it's bad and i don't like it anyway they find a lot of guns in this place 
yeah, the sex worker gets a gun and she makes the most ridiculous face when she gets it. She's all excited. I think hip hop has a gun at one point or is it? No, it's, it's the hacker. No, hip hop gets, gets a shotgun Uh and cool guy asks him to toss him the, 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 you know, hand that over and he tosses him the ammo. I think it's, I think it's hacker. I think it might be hacker. No, I I know because this stood out to me because I was like, oh, he's cool with hip hop guy, but not the black guy. And and he's like, no, I think I'll hold on to this. And he's like, okay, just don't shoot yourself. Like, there's no fight. There's no argument at all. He seemed annoyed at first. Right. Anyway. So they also get, get weapons like an axe and stuff like that. And at one point when they're outside, there's this, like, pseudo Avengers shot where, I mean, this is 2008. So this is before the Avengers. But just to give you a sense of what it's supposed to look like. They all like throw up their weapons and look like ready, like they're surrounded. And the camera kind of walks through them. That's what I'm telling you. No, they're trying to look cool. It's hilarious. It cannot be not on purpose. It's hilarious, but only because we're mocking it. It's not intentional. I don't care what any of the makers of the movie said. (laughs) They just fucked up. Because nothing is played to humorous effect. It's all played like they think it's actually cool. And not in a subtle way. I'm telling you, I feel like that's what a lot of people thought about Jennifer's body. And they're all fucking wrongs. That movie is brilliant and hilarious. <laughs> I don't know about brilliant, but it's good. It's it, very good. And this movie, I'm telling you, they were so I know what you're talking so about. Subtle. I know what you're talking about, Kelsey, and you are so incredibly wrong. <laughs> okay. So when the guy is trying to convince the ex- the doctor to go in as chris said they eventually go back to her place and he has this great line of i promised her i promised eva why don't we go back to my place we can get some food we can rest start again at first light i I promised her i promised eva yeah (laughs) it's like you don't know her from adam eva is the fire chick yeah um, she's the one that's been communicating him via with him via the radio and then the the doctor like grabs his hand and he's like okay and i'm like yeah because sex (laughs) of uh course at one point eva like screams at them to calm down when they're like fighting and she she has this screech (laughs) that hurts to hear. You gonna shoot us all? Is that your plan? It hurts. She's not that bad an actress. And neither is Dr. Hale. I didn't think Cool Guy was that bad. He didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah. Every every one of his lines were just so bad. I know, and that's kind of why his acting stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Because of how bad his lines were, but he took them rather seriously. It feel it felt like, and of course he's nowhere near her level, but it felt like Emily Blunt in Wolfman. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I got, guys. <laughs> I'm going to do my best with it. <laughs> so I don't remember what's happening at one point. They get attacked and Hacker Guy gets cut and he starts to get infected. Yeah, and he, at one point, he runs into the bathroom, and Hip Hop says, I guess when you gotta go, you gotta go. And it's straight out of Jurassic Park, including earlier, they said, they talked about how, um, birds once ruled the world, and it's only a matter of time before they take over again. So uh they stole some elements from Jurassic Park, for sure. Totally, totally. And 
so so he's freaking out, and it's very obvious that there's something wrong. And then cool guy is he's, cool guy knows something is going on. At, and at one point, he calls a vote. He's like, "Oh, this dude's infected. We need to vote, just like we did with Porky." And this is when Eva gets really upset, and I think this is when she screams or whatever. Uh, and before they could do anything, they get attacked, and fucking cool guy gets cut up too. And so now he's infected. And now he has this look on his face like, oh shit, I don't want to die. And Eva's like, yeah, well, now how does it feel? You know, like it's one of those things and it's a pretty dumb. But there, you're, we're skipping a lot of great lines and I want to make sure we get them. I don't want to have to find all these lines. <laughs> you don't have to find all of them. I virtually watch these movies them. again when I edit. So, um... At one point, well, when when hip hop gets the gun, he's talking to Cool Guy, and he's all excited about it. And Cool Guy says, "Go to bed, hip hop," and he goes, "I always handle it, son." And he goes to like I don't know, like give him a high five or whatever it is. And Cool Guy just looks at him, and then hip hip hop literally goes, "All right." <laughs> that fucking so the reason they have that interaction is because hip hop has been paired off with Eva to share oh, a bedroom. Right. Yes. And that's what he was talking about. And they end up sleeping in the same bed. She's but, like, stay on your side. Yeah, stay on your side, <laughs> but happens. you can sleep in the bed. And when uh cool guy is talking about um voting about hackers, you're right. This is when she screeches. She says, Are you gonna shoot us all? Are you gonna shoot us all? Like she's <laughs> freaking out. And then uh, the sex worker, it's true, we're all going to die. <laughs> she starts freaking out. And I think this is when, I think when the sex, the sex girl starts saying that, Fire Girl finally steps up and goes, we're tough. We're survivors. That's why we went to juvie. Because <laughs> they survived their heart. It's so world. close. Like, I think if they went for what you're talking about, Kelsey, I think this could have been. This could have gotten... 20 extra points for me at least. <laughs> but I I think they actually thought that this was a cool action horror movie. So then again we get to see the park ranger and the doctor and the park ranger is lost and I'm like isn't it your one job to know he's this not lost, park? He just doesn't know where they are. He's he's searching for them. And so this is about the time when the government guy finds a pilot who has white phosphorus, who's delivering white phosphorus, which they're going to drop on the forest because all the birds have converged on this house, this cabin where the kids are. And so they're going to drop it there. How wide will our blast radius be? Well, the payload's good for three square miles of shake and bake. Do we have confirmation that the area is cleared of civilians? Let me worry about that, officer. And he tells... Uh, Garrett, because Garrett's like, oh, they're in this cabin. You got to rescue them. And he's like, okay, well, then you'd better rescue them because we're dropping the white phosphorus on them. And if you don't know, white phosphorus is a horrible chemical agent that kills fucking everything. It's awful. So he at least tells them to get out of there. He's not like trying to kill the kids, but he really doesn't care about them. Right. Uh, and then the helicopter ends up getting attacked. <laughs> And the helicopter crashes, and they're like, so much for our rescue. <laughs> so then Hacker, who is sick and who Hip Hop wanted to get rid of, Fire Girl convinced him not to. But then Hacker goes out there, and Hip Hop says, yo, homie, where are you going? 
and and Hacker says, there's worse things than dying. I know. And lets himself get killed so that they can get away. There's another honorable death where Cool Guy, this is like the last death of the movie. Is, that, is this where we are? Cool Guy is really shitty. And when he sees Hacker die, he's just like, better you than me asshole then they finally meet up with the park ranger and for some reason cool guy calls him yogi bear because <laughs> he's the park ranger which doesn't make any sense because there is a park sense. ranger character in yogi bear it's dumb yogi's the bear not the park ranger you stupid idiot they they end up heading to get away from the white phosphorus attack or what's going to be the white phosphorus attack the helicopter hasn't crashed yet they end up like going back to the mine area and the birds are starting to converge on them and they're trapped in this area and they 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 get attacked and the birds are starting to fight their way in and they need to get out and cool guy sacrifices himself uh he lets everyone get away and the birds come to attack him and he has this line you guys hungry? Eat this. And he shoots the dynamite and blows the whole place up with the gas and everything in it, killing all of the birds. You guys hungry? Eat this. And I think it's the sex worker is just like, did they burn? Did they all burn? Yeah. Meanwhile, there's still an airborne virus in the hospital that nobody talks about. And the park ranger puts his arm around Eva, the fire chick, like she's a daughter figure yeah, who he's uh-huh. never met. He pr- pr- promised her. It's all over. It's over, Eva. They're gone. And then hip hop is like talking to her and they're obviously going to be together. And I think she calls him gangsta. And he's like, gangsta's from the heart. Yeah, she says that's not very gang. Oh, because he got busted for like shoplifting or something. Oh, that's like right. That. It's like shoplifting's not gangsta. He says gangsta's from the heart. Hey, I never found out what you got busted for again. Man, I got caught for shoplifting. Shoplifting? That's hardly gangsta. Hey, it don't have to be gangster. Gangster comes from your heart, baby. Okay. Actually, my pops is a podiatrist. I'm from the suburbs. <laughs> and then you find out that or gangsters he's from the in suburbs. your heart or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, he's from the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> that is Flubirds or Flubird Horror, whichever one you want to say. And it is bad. Do you have anything for the lightning round? In the first attack, not the attack on the hunters, but in the attack on, on the Juvie Kids for the first time, where the counselor gets eaten. Yeah. There's this really quiet, subdued music when they're being attacked. Like tense kind of music and when the birds attack it doesn't change the only time it attacks is when somebody is actually getting eaten and it has these like weird stings to it but otherwise like the tempo it's obvious somebody made this music on their computer (laughs) and just looped it it's really bad well i enjoyed it i had fun it's not I mean, it's, it's, it is not Red Clover. It's not Red Clover bad. There's no Black Friday story. (laughs) No, but that's the thing. Red Clover had that. (laughs) At least this didn't even have that. I'd say they're pretty on, they're on pretty even footing. I got mad halfway through Red Clover. I never got mad while I was watching this. Maybe you're getting better at watching bad movies. 
No, I'm saying, I just think that I pick up on things that you don't pick up on. No, I'm telling you, Kelsey. I'm aware that this is a thing. And I've seen movies where it's like that. This is not one of them. What I'm saying is it's no uh, X-ray. Oh, Jesus. No. It's no... Hopefully we'll never see another movie as bad as X-ray, but I know it's going to happen. It's no uh, lifeblood. <laughs> no, it is not. So it's not like it's not like the worst thing in the world. I guess I would give it a higher rating than than Red Clover. But what do you think its Rotten Tomato score is? I'm gonna guess it doesn't have one. It has an audience score. Thirty nine. Way too high. Twenty three. Oh. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. What would you give it? Probably a 45. Wow. 45? All right. <laughs> I would give it a... Wow. I was going to say I couldn't decide between 20 and 25, and so I was just going to land on 23, and then I realized that's the Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> I'd probably give it a 23. I had fun. I had fun watching this. I was laughing the whole time. Is it yeah, bad? Of course it's bad. It's bad. Be- you're laughing because it's bad. That doesn't mean it's good. Of course. I. It's a 45. That is not a good score. <laughs> uh, I think the only thing I've given in a zero to is X-Ray. Probably. And that's because it is, it is a zero percent movie. This, I was laughing. I enjoyed myself. That counts for a lot. All right, that is this week's episode. It's The Birds from 1963 and Flu Birds from 2008. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching a movie from the 80s called Dance Macabre. Okay. And Split. Oh, we're watching Split. Yes. Cool. We've got some split personality movies next year. Dance Macabre is is about split personalities. And do you want to know who it is? I think you're going to like it. Okay. Robert Englund. Ooh, okay. This will be cheesy good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com, where you can browse all of our episodes and a list of every movie we've ever had on the show. Leave a comment to share your thoughts on these movies or even recommend one or two of us to cover in a future episode. You can also email us at podcemetery at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at podcemetery where I'll add comments that we think of after the mics are off and Kelsey will sometimes get trashed and live tweet a random horror movie. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that bullshit on your podcatcher of choice. So until next week, I have been Chris. I have been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, do you have any parting wisdom to share with the audience? Gotta represent. Gotta represent. Gotta represent. 101%. to the sacred place.
This week, 1963's The Birds, and I don't remember the year the other movie came out. Carry on my wayward son. Uh, There'll be peace when you are done. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. It's not macabre, is it? No. Then then then. I don't want to die! <laughs> I hate people. I hate people.